We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Thanks, Rob, and welcome to the Sox Machine Podcast 2021 Player Reviews. I'm Josh Nelson. In the upcoming months, we'll be selecting a player or position group to recap their 2021 season discussing if said player or players met or exceeded expectations and what does their near future outlook appear to be with the 2022 Chicago White Sox. Luis Roberts' 2020 rookie season was a tale of two months. In August, he hit 298 with a 356 on base percentage and slugged 660 with nine home runs and 20 RBIs in just 26 games. And it appeared that Robert was on his way to win the American League Rookie of the Year. In September, Robert came back to earth, hitting a woeful 136 with a 237 on base percentage and slugging just 173 as Robert just had one home run in his last 23 games. Losing his lead in the Rookie of the Year race to Kyle Lewis of the Seattle Mariners. But Robert had a big moment during the postseason in Oakland, crushing a mammoth home run to give the White Sox an early lead in Game 3 of that series. Robert would go 4-for-13 against the Athletics in the series loss, but he recorded a hit in each game. Entering 2021, and the question about Robert is, which version will White Sox fans see more of? Typically, the answer is somewhere in the middle of a 1,000 OPS and a 410 OPS, which if you average those two out, it's around 710 OPS. Not terrible, but it's not great either. What we did know is Robert becoming one of the best defensive center fielders in all of Major League Baseball. His defense would provide him a high floor in production. It would be his bat that determines just how high his ceiling is. In his first 14 games of the 2021 regular season, Robert had already recorded five multi-hit games. After the month of April, Robert had an impressive slash line of a 311 batting average, a on-base percentage of 357, and slugged 467 with nine doubles, a triple, and a home run after the first month. 
while 11 extra base hits is good for a month, the home run total was down, but that type of power loss was understandable as this was still a very young player still trying to figure out how to make quality contact against major league pitching. Robert was trading power for contact and the plan was working early on. In his first at bat on May 2nd against Cleveland, Robert hustled himself into an infield single, but that effort saw him tumble after running past first base. A terrifying scene for White Sox fans who already saw the team lose one of its young outfielders to a significant injury with Aloy Jimenez in spring training. After the MRI, it was revealed that Robert had a torn hip flexor muscle and would miss months of the season. Suddenly, the White Sox were without two of their young stars. With Robert out for almost all of May, June, and July, the White Sox had to lean on Billy Hamilton, Brian Goodwin, Adam Engel, and Lurie Garcia to cover for Robert in center field. Even Engel had his own health issues, suffering multiple hamstring injuries. Hamilton was good defensively, but would also later suffer an injury that limited him to just bat right-handed. Lurie Garcia had to play mostly at second base when Dick Magical got hurt. Brian Goodwin had his moments, but defensively was not good in center field. The White Sox didn't drown while Robert was out, but you could tell they missed his presence. After a busy trade deadline that saw the White Sox add to their bullpen in second base, they got Aloy Jimenez and Luis Robert to return shortly after. A much-needed shot in the arm in their hopes of winning the American League Central and a possible deep postseason run. Robert's first game back was on August 9th at Minnesota, and there was a change in Robert's stance as he went from a more closed-off lower half to opening up his front leg. Robert picked up where he left off with the results prior to his injury as he went 2-for-5 with a double and an RBI. Robert was healthy enough to start the Field of Dreams game in Iowa, which he went 1-for-4 with a double. On August 14th, it was Robert's first home game back from injury, and in his first at-bat in front of the sellout crowd, he smashed a solo home run. He went 2-for-4 with that home run, driving in two RBIs, plus a walk, and Robert picked up another hit in the series finale against the Yankees. It was a good comeback start from Robert. His next two games at home against Oakland, and Robert had back-to-back three-hit games, including another home run, and he was off to the races, just putting up another monster August like he did in 2020, slashing a 361 batting average, a 403 on base percentage, and slugged 639. Another 1,000-plus OPS month of August for Robert. The previous September, Robert crashed back to earth in a hard way, but that didn't happen to him in 2021. Instead, Robert's power numbers picked up. After hitting five homers in August, Robert smashed seven homers in September and drove in 22 RBIs. In Robert's last 10 games of the regular season, he had at least one RBI in seven of them. Manager Tony La Russa was trying to find ways to get Robert in the top three of the lineup and at times even moving the veteran Jose Abreu from his number three spot to clean up. Robert ended the regular season appearing in just 68 games, but his final slash line was a 338 
batting average, a 378 on base percentage, and slugged 567 to finish the season. Hell, Robert hit 350 with a 389 on base percentage and slugged 622 post injury with 12 home runs and 35 RBIs in 43 games. That's a 45 home run, 132 RBI, 162 game pace for Robert. MVP type of numbers. And his defense was still excellent as Robert finished with a 3.6 war, according to baseball reference. Again, this was just in 68 games. That war pace would be eight and a half in a full regular season. And that eight and a half war would challenge Dick Allen's 1972 season. And Allen won the American League MVP. Next was the American League Division Series against Houston. And many thought it would be Robert's time to break out in front of a national audience. Perhaps following Tampa Bay's Randy Rosarena and his lead to power the White Sox deep into the postseason. Obviously, there wasn't a deep postseason run by the White Sox, but it wasn't Robert's fault. He had a base hit in each game and was 7 for 15 at the plate with two walks. He was hit by a pitch and he reached on error and he scored four runs. In 18 plate appearances in the ALDS, Robert reached on base 11 times. Robert had his big series. Unfortunately, his teammates did not follow suit. Entering 2022, there is a level of optimism in Luis Robert that hasn't been seen in a long time from White Sox fans. In just a short time, he's displayed a level of play not seen in a long time on the South Side. Maybe ever. But in Minneapolis, there serves a cautionary tale. Byron Buxton has put up monster numbers, but he has trouble staying on the field. Can the White Sox and Robert avoid the injury issues that's plagued Buxton's career? If Robert can, is he a serious threat to win the American League MVP in 2022? We discuss those topics next after a quick word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. 
Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Joining me to continue the conversation about Luis Robert is the managing editor of SoxMachine.com. It's Jim Margulis. And hello, Jim. I know it was just 68 games in 2021 for Luis Robert, but he put on a show. How would you grade his season? In terms of performance and improvement, I would give him an A. Uh, in terms of games played, probably have to knock him down to a B plus. Ooh, so you're you're giving him a B plus overall because he only appeared in 68 games. Yes. Okay. Now I know physically he would probably would not want to tear his hip flexor. So I think this next question, even though it involves Luis Robert, it does involve the entire organization as the Chicago White Sox are going in another direction when it comes to their training program. It wasn't just Robert that had lower half body injuries in 2021, but how important is it, Jim, for the new director and the training staff to find ways of keeping Robert and the other White Sox players on the field in 2022. Oh, it's pretty important just because of the you know, the depth that we really harped upon or the, the lack of depth that we harped upon before the season somehow not materializing into a problem thanks to that miracle string of uh, you know excellent performances they got from part-time players and uh, waiver claims and quadruple A players just all showing up delivering two weeks and then handing it off to somebody else. They probably know that they can't get that again, so it's more incumbent on the players who are their first string or at least their primary platoon players to get involved. And, you know, it wasn't just Robert, as you mentioned. It was Tim Anderson who had uh, lower body issues. Adam Engel uh, really was unfortunate for him. He had a great opportunity in terms of playing time to show what he could do in right field as the you know 1A right fielder, if not the number one right fielder. Um, you know, he's shown stretches of being an everyday player for at least, you know, the, the, an outfield as talented as the White Sox outfield. So it, it's a big problem. And uh, the White Sox dodged a bullet the first time around, probably not smart to count on doing so again. So yeah, I think uh, firing uh, or at least, you know, letting go of Alan Thomas, pretty good start. Not that it was anything he did wrong necessarily, but uh, I, I think you could say over the course of his time with the White Sox, they did a lot right, but the numbers were going in the wrong direction. I don't know if it was something related to COVID training or players individually training because they weren't on a team schedule for much of 2020 and, and couldn't work out together really uh, in, in a normal way in 2021. Uh, you know, entering the season. So maybe there were some muscle imbalances or something like that that threw a lot of guys out of whack. Something had to change, and the White Sox are at least making the change they can control. I think we'll probably understand more going into next season, you know, next spring training, when in the event that, like, the Alan Thomas replacement is the most notable change on the White Sox staff, he'll probably draw a lot of attention, a lot of questions, and we'll probably get some clarity 
in terms of uh, what the White Sox could be doing better there. Yeah, that, that was going to be my follow-up question. We haven't gotten any specific insight from Rick Hahn on why they're making this change. Have we from his postseason press conference? I, I don't recall. Yeah, I haven't seen anything specifically. I know that he was treating it as an active issue. Like he wasn't downplaying, saying bad luck or look at our track record, look how healthy we've been all the years under Herm Schneider. He was treating it seriously. So I think the uh, Alan Thomas dismissal was a uh, very tangible sign of how serious he's taking it. So I think, you know, once uh, the whole staff reports and we have an idea of just exactly what the White Sox might be tweaking for next year, um, hopefully he'll shed some light on that. When Robert returned from the injured list, we saw a lower half adjustment that opened his stance up more. Do you think that lower half adjustment was the big key to his offensive burst Or is there something else that you saw in Robert's swing? It seems like it. And there's a very compelling post on the matter on Fangraphs, I believe, is Luke Hooper. Uh, And I will edit it into correction if it is not the case. But uh, he he showed with a a varying uh, charts and graphs and GIFs um, just exactly how Robert was opening his stance and opening it and opening it like he just kept getting wider just like he you know he saw like well I keep hitting better so I'll just keep opening it more like there's uh you know there, there's no asymptote here it's not going to fall off a cliff and there's no possibility of being too open yet so I'll just keep doing it and uh you know the explanation there is just that it allowed him to be quicker to the ball when he was more closed off it took a longer time for his hips to clear and that was evidenced in the his lack of success in getting around on fastballs Robert had some moments in 2020. He had like a great month, had a bad month, and in his bad month, he was just behind on a lot. He was trying, I think, to guard against uh, breaking balls, staying on them and not chasing them or being way out in front. But then he got behind on fastballs and he was just, it was a tug of war between the two that he couldn't solve until the very end of the season. This time around seemed like, you know, having the open stance, not, you know, not having a swing that involves so much torque just based on uh you know going from closing close to open probably did a lot to just allow his natural strength and bat speed to do the talking there's still issues with his you know maybe plates discipline or aggressiveness like it's hard to be as successful as robert was over a full season based on just how aggressive he was but for the time being you know if you're looking for Somebody like him to make adjustments once the league forced it upon them, they haven't forced that yet. Yeah, in 2020 against four seamers, for example, Luis Robert hit just 169 and he slugged 288 against that pitch. In 2021, Luis Robert hit 355 and slugged 592. And he goes from a 44% whiff rate against four seamers down to 24%, Jim. Those are. Mm-hmm huge gains and that's just one specific pitch against the four seamer and the quality of contact overall this is what also impressed me in 2020 Luis Roberts average exit velocity on contact in play was 88 miles per hour not bad that's where Tim Anderson usually lives in 2021 the average exit velocity for Luis Robert is 91 miles per hour Uh, which is right up there with some of the most elite sluggers in all of Major League Baseball. And it was quite impressive as far as the adjustments that he made. And I'm just going to assume that's what we're going to be looking for in spring training, right? Is that he sticks 
with this adjustment because it worked so well for him in 2021. I, I can't think of him not continuing this new stance. Yeah, he doesn't strike me as a guy who is going to tinker unnecessarily just because he's young and he's extremely talented and he's had a, you know, injuries have been really the only thing interrupting his ascent. He hasn't had any real come to Jesus moments about his approach or anything he's doing wrong. It's just more his body parts failing him at uh, one point or another, whether it's a hand or a hamstring or whatnot. So you know, the league isn't telling him anything he's doing wrong. I mean, last year in 2020, they did and he corrected it. So I think that's kind of how it's going to go from here is the league is going to maybe feed into some strengths that he's adjusted for. And then He's going to wait to see if they have another answer for it. And some hitters around the league are really hard to come up with an answer. Even if you think they're solvable, even if you know from their heat maps that they have cold zones or uh, weak tendencies, like it's hard to execute at that level to always get a guy out on one exact pitch or one exact zone. So um, he doesn't have to really do anything right now except to stay healthy. And the Kenny Williams line, basically stay healthy. (laughs) Plan A for the Chicago White Sox. Basically stay healthy and we'll be fine. Uh, Back to the four-seam fastball quality for Luis Robert. Hard contact, which is something that's really key that we are starting to focus on for major league hitters. Because if your exit velocity is 95 miles per hour or more, especially if it's a ground ball or line drive, it has a better chance of getting through the infield naturally that may have to increase as infielders do a better job of preparing for that type of exit velocity while they're playing defense, while they improve their range and their timing and their jumps. The average exit velocity for Luis Robert against four seamers was 94.3 miles per hour. Mm -hmm. He's almost averaging hard contact when he's facing four seamers. Uh, So that was a gigantic uh, improvement for Luis Robert and against sinkers, curveballs, changeups, and cutters. Luis Robert slugged better than 700 against those pitches. Uh, yeah, the only pitch that hitter, pitchers had any chance of giving Luis Robert problems in 2021 was the slider. And Robert hit 267 against sliders in 2021, and he slugged 400, uh, which are not terrible numbers, and he whiffed 41% of the time. So I'm still expecting opposing pitchers going into next season to throw quite a bit of sliders at Luis Robert, uh, especially with the adjustments that he has made against the four-seam fastball. We have a good idea of what Robert's floor can be. We know that he is a gold-glove defender, in center field, and if he plays an entire season, Jim, I am confident in saying that Luis Roberts' war floor is two because he's a gold glove defender in center field, and I saw Yomer Sanchez get better than two war in a season in 2017 while he won the gold glove at second base, and he barely hit. Mm-hmm. What could be Roberts' ceiling? This is a question that I've had difficulty answering in the last calendar year. Cause I, I don't know what his ceiling can be. Do you have any ideas of what his ceiling possibly could be? Well, you know, you look at last season and you know, if you extrapolate it, it's basically like a seven to eight win season. And uh, that's certainly impressive. And if you even, if you look at like what he's done so far, not just, uh, you know, extrapolate, maybe just a, a really good 68 games, um, you know, over 162, but just take what he's done 
over two seasons or, or two half seasons, he's got 124 games and 523 plate appearances. So that's uh, you know not quite a full season in terms of games, but he would qualify for the batting title. Um, you're looking at a guy who's posted 5.4 you know, wins above replacement, according to baseball reference. And when you're looking at his, his output for fan graphs, it rounds up to five. So basically you could say like he's been a five-win player over 124 games and maybe that's like six when you get to 162 or 150 if you want to allow him to take an occasional day off so that's what he's done so far and that's what he's done with you know major injury he what he's done with a, a standard rookie learning curve um you know the the rookie season had some impressive moments but um you know he only hit 233 that year he you know only had his obp barely cleared 300 so you know there were things to improve upon and then he just like took it upon himself to do all the improving <laughs> in uh you know just around a major injury so it's really impressive and on one hand you don't want to set the expectations at seven to eight wins but at the same time there's no reason to say he can't you know there. I'm inclined to say, let it play out. You know, we were talking about Dylan Cease and saying, uh, you know, whether he could hit 200 innings. And, and yeah, that's a case where I don't feel uh, confident really just in the way he pitches and the way the league is going that he can't hit 200 innings uh, or, or that he, or I should say that he ever will hit 200 innings. But in this case, like, can Luis Robert hit seven wins in a season? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> like just if everything goes right, if he plays gold glove defense and shows uh, even... I don't know, 75, 80% of what he showed at the plate for a full season, he could get there, especially, you know, if it's a kind of win total that's inflated by some outstanding defensive metrics. See, I want to put his ceiling higher. And maybe this is just me being incredibly optimistic. But I, I do believe he is one of the few players in this league based on the talent that we have seen that could challenge a healthy Mike Trout for the American League MVP. And we're talking about a 10-war season. Mm-hmm. Am I putting the ceiling too high on Luis Robert? Because as you mentioned, we've only seen him for 120 games. Uh, the one thing that gives me pause with that is that in order to like crack that elite echelon, you basically have to have an above-average walk rate. And that's the one thing keeping him back. That's the one thing that you know might affect his, uh, you know, the weighted... Uh, on base percentage numbers or the the weighted uh wrc plus uh woba ops plus like you know those numbers could be dragged down if say he has an unlucky batting average year and so the obp is normal when you look at the guys who can reach that you know i'm thinking about mike trout thinking about bryce harper he's done it uh fernando tatis uh vlad jr um, all those guys who have the kind of bat to reach that level juan soto they have that plate discipline that Robert doesn't quite have, you know, the one thing I will say about Robert is that he's shown selectivity at times. It's just that his talent has made it, you know, I guess not imperative for him to get great. So I wouldn't rule out that he could reach maybe an average walk rate um, rather than being the hyper aggressive hitter he is. And if that's the case, then yeah, maybe he does get to, you know, eight, nine, 10, but for the time being, you know, if he's just going to be a Tim Anderson type, like a hyper aggressive hitter who expands the strike zone but can do it he does it because he's successful and you wouldn't teach it but you don't have to teach him anything that's one thing i can see like limiting his ceiling just a little bit okay i could buy into that let's talk about maybe a worst case scenario and i don't think this is necessarily fair to byron buxton but do you have any concern that robert's career will follow that of byron buxton's in minnesota because buxton 
is a superstar. He can play at a superstar level. He's also one of these players that if he could ever put together a 162-game season, yeah, he could challenge Mike Trout for a healthy Mike Trout for the American League. But injuries have prevented Buxton to play an entire season. And even though he signed that seven-year, $100 million contract, when you watch him play when he's healthy, one could say he's getting underpaid. But at the same time, the Minnesota Twins are taking this great risk because it's a challenge for Buxton to just play 100 games in a season. We have seen Luis Robert have significant injuries since he has joined the White Sox organization. Do you have any concern that Robert would follow the path of Byron Buxton, a superstar player that can't stay on the field? You can't rule it out just because he's been banged up in the past, not just the uh, last season, but also in the minor leagues. He had a, a rocky road to uh, staying healthy and, and, and being on the field, thanks to some sliding issues early. So he has some uh, durability to still prove. Uh, I think the one thing I would say about a Robert Buxton comparison is that it took Buxton about five years to get good, at least at the plate. Like, in, in, in nobody questioned his play in center field. Certainly, if you watch enough White Sox Twins games when Buxton was in center, or even when Buxton wasn't in center and you realize how many balls fell <laughs> that you didn't expect to, or that you reflexively just assumed would be caught and, and fell in sometimes goofy fashions. Um, you know, he was, he was certainly a player worth starting out there. But just in terms of hitting, you know, basically his first four years were below average and, you know, a lot of strikeouts and the OBP languished and he basically was a starter on the strength of his glove. What we've seen so far with Robert in just two partial seasons is an above average hitter. Uh, potentially, if he showed what last, you know, what he showed last season, a very above average hitter. So he's got a head start there to where um, you don't have to worry necessarily, or at least I don't worry about you know, his offense never coming around the way like Buxton's, you know, for a long time, Buxton's development seemed like it was going to stall and he was just going to be this defensive specialist. I think it's a testament to, you know, his ability and perseverance that he was able to shape into an offensive player despite everything that's happened to him and the way the Twins, you know, seemingly mismanaged his uh, his timetable and his development and everything like that and, and really didn't make it an easy road for him. So, uh, Robert's had an easier path so far, and if he continues making it easy, perhaps it'll be, if, if he's an asset offensively the way he showed last year, perhaps it'll make it easier for him to gear down in other areas to maybe lessen some injury risk. So Robert is ahead of Buxton right now at this stage of Robert's career. Yeah, so let me look at the numbers for Buxton. I'm looking at his first four years, 306 games. He had a 672 OPS. Yeah, yeah. Robert is way ahead of Buxton. He did have a five-win season or like a four to five-win season just because his glove was insane. Right. And he won the gold glove that year and he deserved it. He had some kind of an, he had an interesting offensive profile just because he stole a lot of bases and uh, showed occasional power and the OBP was average. But really it was like a Kevin Kiermeyer type season where the glove did all talking. Now I think you saw last year what he showed around series with the White Sox because the White Sox never saw him that if he can put together, that's an MVP candidate. And I think that's maybe the MVP candidate you're thinking of, like Buxton over a full season, uh, because you know the walk-to-strikeout ratio wasn't impressive. Um, Buxton's never going to be a high-walk guy, but just the glove and power and everything like that, he was... He posted four and a half wins above replacement, according to baseball reference, over 60 games. Yeah, because I'm just trying to generate ideas because 
We're expecting that that's like 11 wins, 12 wins, something yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> We're expecting. And as a baseball fan, I'm hoping that Mike Trout stays healthy all of 2022 because he's just a phenomenal baseball player. And when, when Mike Trout is healthy, trying to think of players in the American league that can seriously challenge a healthy Mike Trout and beating him for the American league MVP it's a very short list, Jim, especially with Mookie Betts getting traded to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Obviously, you have Trout's teammate Shohei Otani. If Otani duplicates one of the most unique and greatest individual seasons the game has ever seen uh, last year, and if Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who continues to lose weight and is in incredible shape now based on his offseason video, so I'm really excited to see what he can do at the plate next year. Uh, if he hits 50-plus bombs, I think that would be a serious candidate. And then I look at Buxton and Luis Robert, and we know that these guys are, well, they're not just gold glove contenders. We're talking about platinum glove contenders uh, for their defensive ability in center field. And if they could just stay healthy and play 150-plus games the way that they've been hitting as of late, I would put them in that short list of the contenders who could challenge a healthy Mike Trout for the American League MVP. Yeah, I can see that. It's just uh, the when it comes to like players who need defensive metrics that much to get to that level, you just can't count on them sometimes. That is true. Like you know, just you know, it's not necessarily the fault of the metrics. Just when it comes to the way batted balls break down, what um, zone metrics think, whose responsibility was what. That sometimes you might have a you know a three win season defensively. Sometimes you might have a five, and it's not necessarily anything uh, metrically wrong or anything performance wise. Just a matter of just how the batted balls broke down. So that's why I'm a little bit hesitant to say that, but certainly possible. And we've seen paces like that in. Uh, significant stretches of time to make it worth talking about. And, and Trout plays the same position, but Mike Trout is nowhere near as good defensively as Buxton and Robert. Yeah. Buxton and Robert are the top two defensive center fielders in all of Major League Baseball right now. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I, I think, you know, maybe Kiermaier too. And they're in the same division. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have this. We're gonna have this uh, debate for years, and, and I think it's great. I, I think it's great for baseball, especially for fans in the American League Central, that we can continue to have this debate: who is better, Byron Buxton, Luis Robert? I don't know if they know each other, and if they do, they're probably friends. But for everybody else looking at this, it's like we're kind of creating this rivalry between these two hyper talented players. And speaking of talent, is Luis Robert, when you look at the entire White Sox roster, Jim, and you look at all the skills, especially the physical skills of these players, is he the most talented player on the roster? I think now you have to say yes. I think maybe Yohan Mankata in 2019, if he were able to rediscover that form by now, could have an equally strong claim just because of the uh, advantage in plate discipline and uh, switch hitting and playing third base, you know, maybe not as well as Robert plays center, but playing it well enough to be an asset at the position that you could maybe have a conversation. But as long as, you know, Mankata is kind of in this post COVID malaise performance wise and not able to tap into that power, the, the package of speed and power that really, you know, gave him an MVP vote or at least a, a 10th place MVP vote uh, from James Fegan. You know, that, that kind of skill set hasn't been there for a couple of years. So I think you have to wait to see 
if Moncada can present that again. So until he does, I don't think Robert really has a challenger. I think there's going to be a lot of hype coming into next season regarding Luis Robert. And I, I know that Tim Anderson gets a lot of the national spotlight, and he should. And MLB Network's going to have its shredder rankings, right? You know, as far as their top 10 at every single position, and someone's going to feel slighted. Whoever I talk to, especially the national folks and the people that we bring onto this show, everyone raves about Luis Robert. Do you think in 2022 he becomes the face of the White Sox for his play? I don't think so, just because I think Tim Anderson is entrenched, and and also when you when you think of just face of a team and you know marketing opportunities, there's language barrier and, and who does does the talking sure. for the team, and and I think you know Tim Anderson's happy to do the talking, and he's uh, you know an all star level performer, so I think he's a perfectly fine <laughs> suitable face of the team, but I think Robert is the guy who can maybe draw a lot of attention just for. Sheer performance, you know, the kind of highlight reel stuff you see from Buxton, you see from uh, you know Juan Soto, you see from you know, Mike Trout, uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. when he's healthy, uh, Fernando Tatis. Just the sheer athleticism and uncanny ability to channel that into incredible baseball plays. I think that's the kind of stuff that can, uh, you know, he's probably... Maybe not the face of the White Sox, but probably the White Sox to most regularly go viral with something he's done. And I think there's a lot of value in that to a team. Hey, I've seen his TikToks. He just needs his, uh, just needs Yohan Makata to put him in a future music video. And that will help Luis Roberts brand awareness, Jim. <laughs> Rappers for everybody. <laughs> uh, I, I am excited. I know we're still months away from spring training starting and opening day in 2022 punch a hole through the nearest wooden object White Sox fans to make sure Luis Robert is healthy and on the opening day roster and he plays a full season in 2022 because I think we have a chance to watch something really special unfold from center field for the Chicago White Sox. And Jim, I really appreciate you taking the time to join me and recapping Luis Robert's 2021 season. We should talk about him every week. That will do it for this 2021 Player Review Podcast. Thanks for listening. And if you just discovered the Sox Machine Podcast, you can subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Sox Machine, and you can follow me on Twitter at Sox Machine underscore Josh. For those that have been listening to the show all season, and if you haven't already signed up, think about doing so at our Patreon page. Our Patreon supporters receive exclusive content, ad-free versions of the podcast and website, and the first opportunity to receive our new Sox Machine swag items. We have monthly plans starting at just $2 a month, and our annual plans save you 9%. To sign up, visit patreon.com slash Machine. The Sox Machine Podcast is a production of SoxMachine.com, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, and your home for all things Chicago White Sox baseball. I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for listening.